You are listening to the Solomon's Corner Podcast, a place for thinkers. Join us as we explore the depths of theology, philosophy, and the Christian intellectual life. Welcome to episode zero of the Solomon's Corner podcast, A Place for Thinkers. My name is Daniel Roberts. I'm the host in the squeaky chair of Solomon's Corner. But know that there is a wonderful wife, a spouse who makes Proverbs 31 look easy, who's helping me put this show on the interwebs for you guys. And I just want to thank her right now. Do you want to say something, honey? No. No, she doesn't. She doesn't want to say anything. But before we start with the who we are speech, while I have your attention, let me start with an unrealistic expectation of commitment of 100 episodes. That's right. We're going to try and get 100 episodes onto this podcast uh, to the best of our ability. So subscribe to the podcast. Get every episode alert on your phone and share this with your this awesome podcast with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your pastor, your dog, your superior officer, your mom, your dad, your child, whoever you think would benefit. And please support us as we try to revitalize the Christian intellectual life. Now, you can find us on Telegram if you're into that sort of thing, Twitter, Facebook, or subscribe to our blog at solomonscorner.com. Once again, that's solomonscorner.com. And this episode will be fairly short compared to the others, as we want to just give a little bit of an intro to the intellectual life, which was the inspiration for Solomon's Corner and for our aspirations and for this podcast as you are listening right now. So what is the intellectual life? Well, I know you're dying to hear about it, but I know what you're dying to hear about right now is who is this guy? So let me give you the about me section. I am Daniel Roberts. I have a master's in philosophy. And I'm a software developer during the day, so this is just a hobby for me, uh, hoping that people will benefit from uh, some of the content that we, we are producing and putting out on our site and on this podcast that is ultimately meant to help bring some of the things I learned in seminary just to the general public. And one of the books that I learned about in seminary was from a solid professor who I will keep nameless, just in case he doesn't want the credit, because I haven't talked to him in a while, but he gave this book to me called The Intellectual Life, and it is written by a French Thomist philosopher, and if you don't know what that means, uh, you'll find out if you keep listening, but the book is called The Intellectual Life at Spirits, Conditions, Methods by A.G. Sertelange, and in it, the book talks about how to pursue your intellectual gifts that God's given you even though you may never end up in the ivory tower of academia, something that I had hoped I would one day be able to obtain, but unfortunately, God had other plans. Well, not necessarily unfortunately, because my family's pretty awesome, but you get the gist. Life happened, and I wasn't able to do it. But I did continue to study this book and and learn from it and learn its methods, its conditions, and what it means to embrace the mind that God's given you, even though you may never actually end up in those coveted academic institutions. And so the intellectual life, in short, is how do you embrace what I would call the spiritual gift of intelligence, not that I'm saying I'm a genius, but everybody's on various levels, of study 
even though you could never be a PhD. And so you're a working guy. You don't want to just sit there, watch Netflix, play video games the rest of your life. You have more that you can offer the world and the community that you're in. And so what does it look like to be an intellectual in your day-to-day life, knowing that you'll never rise to notoriety? And so The Intellectual Life is a book that tells you how to do that. And so one of the quotes is this on page four. It's like right at the beginning. The life of study is austere and imposes grave obligations. It pays, it pays richly, but it exacts an initial outlay that few are capable of. The athletes of the mind, like those of the playing field, must be prepared for privations, long training, a sometimes superhuman tenacity. We must give ourselves from the heart if truth is to give itself to us. Truth serves only its slaves. And that is really a good nutshell of what the intellectual life is like. Do you want truth? Do you want to get some of the deep ideas that God's embedded in reality and in his word and see how those things are connected? If so, it's hard. It's not easy. It's not just picking up your Bible, going through it verse by verse, and figuring out what the Bible says. There's more to what God has done in the world than simply just the salvation message. And they are connected. And so one of the first books, little preview, Jacques Maritain's book, Christianity and Democracy, is the first book that we're going to do in the series. And he draws that conclusion very well. And we will be talking about the preface and chapters one through four next week. But that is what the intellectual life is about, is how do these natural law and God's special revelation, how do those intersect? And how do we who believe that God has gifted us with a desire to know these things on a deeper level, the non-pragmatic things that we might say are just kind of like heady things or things that don't really build jets or rockets, but do seem foundational to civilization as we know it, to a functioning and ethical society. How do those things relate? And so Sertelange provides that map, and he says it's not going to be difficult. Now, or he says it's going to be difficult. Now, one of the things to keep in mind about the intellectual life is that it was written in 1934. And that's interesting because this is as Hitler is on the rise. And so for me, I would have never thought that you should prioritize the intellectual life during a time of global catastrophe and war. And yet that is the time at which Sertelange decides that he's going to write his book about the intellectual life and your your the importance that the individual and his ideas have on society and the world at large. And Jacques Maritain does a similar thing in Christianity and Democracy, which we'll cover later. But it's interesting to think about for a minute us Americans who are so pragmatic and don't necessarily desire to read Aristotle or Thomas Aquinas or any of these things, any of these guys, we would say, well, those are nice if you're an academic, but how much do those really have an impact on my life or my city or even my church? I mean, isn't isn't the Bible enough? Well, the guys who are in France seem to say the Bible is the foundation, but it should motivate us to dive deep into the natural order that God has given us to cultivate and to dominate, but not in the sense of 
uh, oppression, but in the sense of leadership and control and making sure we're good stewards of this order. So one of the things that, that Sir Talange also says is this, here I am, a man of the 20th century, living in a time of permanent drama, witnessing upheavals such as perhaps the globe never saw before since the mountains rose and the seas were driven into their caverns. What have I to do with this panting, palpitating century? More than ever before, thought is waiting for men and men for thought. The world is in danger for a lack of life-giving maxims. We are in a train rushing ahead at top speed, no signals visible. The planet is going it knows not where. Its law has failed. Who will give it back its son? And I read that and I think, wow, that sounds a lot like our time right now. And if we are going to learn from the past, one of the things we should learn is that ideas do have consequences. But those ideas don't merely just come from the top. They, they begin in our own personal lives. Many philosophical ideas are in every individual's idea, every individual's worldview, whether they realize it or not. And it has an impact on how they read the Bible. It has an impact on how they interact in their church. It has an impact on what they think of authority. It has an impact on every aspect of their life prior to them ever getting to something like the Bible or a church service or any of these things. And it's not merely worldview. It's the philosophical presuppositions that you're making at the most basic levels of reality. And so what does this look like? Well, it's not merely just do you believe that God exists or not. There are certain principles at the fundamental levels of reality, such as what is existence? What's nature's? Do natures exist? All of those things have an impact on how you interpret the world and any written text that you come to. And so you have a responsibility, if that piques your interest, to develop yourself in those areas and not just to do it by yourself, not just with your books as a recluse somewhere in your house, writing your own thoughts and never sharing them with anybody, because otherwise you'll never get any feedback and you'll never be told that you're wrong. Because part of the intellectual life is failing, having errors and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And one of the best ways you can do that is in community, which is why we started a book club at our church, which ultimately led to this podcast. And so in community, you find that you also live the intellectual life and that you shouldn't keep your study to yourself. Abraham Kuyper and Sir Talange both say it like this. Kuyper says in a convocation address to his students in Free University in Amsterdam, this is not to suggest that someday you should all write fat tomes or advance the frontiers of science. Only the peaks above the snow line form lasting glaciers. What lies at the lower levels melts away. Yet each of you has the calling to live life as a scholar and to gather honey for the great beehive of life and the interest of the surroundings in which you will eventually be placed. A single educated man in a humble village is for that village the hub of a higher life. A scholar's mission in life should be to serve and not be served. Our maxim will always be, freely ye have received, freely give. And if you're not doing the intellectual life in community, then you're not doing it right. And so one of the things that you'll find that we want, hope that this podcast brings to you 
is the inspiration for you to eventually leave this podcast and start your own book clubs and intellectual groups in your churches especially that will be able to go through some of the great minds that God preserved like Solzhenitsyn or Sertelange or Jacques Maritain or even some of the great evangelical thinkers like Norman Geisler or William Lane Craig. There are plenty of people to challenge you in your faith. And this is not something for people who are even necessarily Christian, but to go down the Christian route. If you have found yourself with a solid biblical knowledge and you're feeling like the only thing you do is read the Bible and memorize verses, the intellectual life might be the next step in your discipleship. And learning from that can really grow you and give you opportunities for evangelism, for ministry in your church, for answering some tough questions. And Jacques Maritain is another good example of how that came to be. It's not to say that every Christian needs to be a philosopher. That definitely is not the case. But one thing is for sure is that the Christian church has failed in its ministry to the intellectuals within its midst. And I'm hoping that with this podcast, maybe more intellectuals will see that they need to serve their churches, go in and try and be effective at bringing the intellectual life as a ministry there, so that that way, more Christian thinkers will come out of our churches and impact not just our churches, but our communities and our societies. Because if we don't, then history tells us that the world gets dark. And it's not just history that tells us that, it's also some of the great thinkers. Jacques Maritain, who wrote his book, Christianity and Democracy, shortly after World War II, uh, well, not after World War II, but in the middle of World War II, around 1942, talks about World War II and the, the consequences that are on the line for human liberty after the war and darkness as the alternative. And this is what he says. If the Axis powers win the war, night will settle down on the world and freedom will die for centuries to come. All the freedoms and honor and the very possibility of a living as a man. If the United Nations win the war, the way is opened to constructive work. But the answer does not depend alone on the force of arms. The war will not be truly won, the peace will not be won, unless during the war itself a new world takes shape which will emerge in victory, and in which the classes, races, and nations today oppressed will be liberated. The war will not be truly won. The peace will not be won unless the people understand that emphasis is his, and unless the intellectual and moral reform affected within them is equal to the suffering of their present martyrdom and equal to the breadth of social transformations alike necessary if civilization is to survive. I'll read that last paragraph one more time. Unless the intellectual and moral reform affected within them is equal to the suffering of their present martyrdom and equal to the breadth of social transformations alike necessary if civilization is to survive. And what Maritan is saying right there is that the reason the war happened is because the ideas that people allowed to fester in their minds in Europe were things like nihilism and they were things that were metaphysically hopeless. Their philosophical systems were hopeless, and it led them to a rejection of the Bible, rejection of Christian faith, rejection of purpose, and it created a vacuum in the citizenry that when 
somebody like a Hitler came along and gave them purpose. They were willing to do atrocious things in order to bring about a world that they thought would be better than their own. And Jack Maritan is a good example of this because he was a nihilist himself after going through the University of Sorbonne and him and his wife, Raisa, if I'm saying that correctly, I'm not sure, dedicated themselves to committing suicide if they would not be able to find the meaning of life because their professors had depressed them so much with their materialism and their anti-theistic views. And they demonstrated that they needed something else to come along and change their lives. If not, they were committed to killing themselves. That gives you a picture prior to World War II and World War I of what young people in Europe were going through before these wars broke out. I think it's important for us to recognize that our universities are going through a very, very similar thing. And when people come into the church with real and authentic questions, they're oftentimes met with a Bible verse rather than an explanation. And there is a place for that. But there are also places for people who are legitimately wondering if there's more to this world than merely just memorizing Bible verses and reading reading Scripture. Is there a spiritual life that they're supposed to dedicate themselves to? Why do they have the questions that they have while the rest of their friends don't? And those people God has gifted with very, very special intellectual gifts to write books that answer those questions and to help remove barriers to the Christian faith, if you're into apologetics, but also, if you're not a Christian, to remove barriers that give your life meaning, even if you never did become a Christian. And so, when we look at what is the intellectual life, it's number one, it's accepting that God has called you to this and gifted you to that. Number two, it's not to be done in isolation, it's to be done in community. And number three, as Kuiper says, it should be done in order to benefit your community where God has placed you. And so if this is something that you find to be where you're at in life and you want to pursue an intellectual calling, our goal at Solomon's Corner is to inspire you and help you understand the intersection between God's special revelation, His natural revelation, and how you can use those in your day-to-day intellectual life and your work in your community and in your church. Now, you might be saying, but I have a job, I don't have time for this. But Sir Talange would say that that is precisely the person that actually has an advantage in some sense. He says, the discipline of some occupation is an excellent school. It bears fruit in the hours of studious leisure. The very constraint will make you concentrate better. You will learn the value of time. You will take eager refuge in those rare hours during which the claims of duty satisfied. You can turn to your ideal and enjoy the relaxation of some chosen activity after the labor imposed by the hard necessity of giving a livelihood. What he's saying there is that you learn the value of time and you won't waste your time on books that don't matter to your intellectual growth, and which I would make synonymous with spiritual growth, to be clear, and those in, that would benefit your community. And so, well, where should I start? I mean, there's a lot of books to, to read. There's a lot of things that I should do. Nope, you've got a job. You can't read everything. You're going to have to narrow your focus. You're going to have to pick good thinkers in an area you want to learn about. Is that church history? Is that hermeneutics? Is that philosophy of interpretation? Is that ethics? 
Is it metaphysics? You will have to have some metaphysics, no matter where you're at, just a little disclaimer there. But the point is, is that your job provides you with a safety net to ensure that you don't end up in the, what some would call random readings of tidbits of information, just so you can talk at like a cocktail party or your Bible study and sound smart. The goal of the intellectual life is not to flaunt your knowledge or any of these things. It's to have within you a deposit of information that you can use in certain contexts when relevant to minister to those around you and to recall when you find yourself needing to be ministered to as well. And so in short, our goal is to inspire the intellectual life among other Christians who want to develop their mind for the glory of God. Many people I talk to, they want to have this deeper understanding and they just don't know where to start. And so our goal is to minister to those guys who maybe wanted to get a PhD, but they couldn't do it either. And they're looking for some content that's going to keep them sharp and keep them trying to do the intellectual life and know that they're not the only ones out there trying to do it. And so at the same time, you may discover that you can't engage in the intellectual life, that God hasn't called you to that life, and that's okay. It's not for everyone, but God does have something for you to pursue, something worth your sacrifice and your time. It may not be the austere and demanding life of an intellectual, but if you want to try, we are the place for you. I close with this inspirational quote from Sir Talange that summarizes what we at Solomon's Corner aim to accomplish with the site. St. Thomas of Aquin, or Thomas Aquinas, as he was coming to settle in Paris and decried the great city in the distance, said to the brother who was with him, Brother, I would give all that for the commentary of Chrysostom on St. Matthew. When one feels like that, it does not matter where one is nor what resources one has. One is stamped with the seal. One is of the elect of the Spirit. One has only to persevere and to trust life as it is ruled for us by God. You, young man who understand this language and to whom the heroes of the mind seem mysteriously to beckon, but who fear to lack the necessary means, listen to me. Have you two hours a day? Can you undertake to keep them jealously, to use them ardently? And then, being of those who have the authority in the kingdom of God, can you drink the chalice of which these pages would wish to make you savor the exquisite and bitter taste? If so, have confidence, nay, rest in quiet certainty. If you are compelled to earn your living, at least you will earn it without sacrificing, as so many do, the liberty of your soul. If you are alone, you will but be more violently thrown back on your noble purposes. Most great men followed some calling. Many have declared that the two hours I postulate suffice for an intellectual career. Learn to make the best use of that limited time. Plunge every day of your life into the spring which quenches and yet ever renews your thirst. Do you want to have a humble share in perpetuating wisdom among men, in gathering up the inheritance of the ages, in formulating the rules of the mind for the present time, in discovering facts and causes, in turning men's wandering eyes towards first causes and their hearts towards supreme ends, in reviving, if necessary, some dying flame, in organizing the propaganda of truth and goodness? That is the lot reserved for you. It is surely worth a little extra sacrifice. It is worth steadily pursuing with jealous passion. The study and practice of what Pierre Gretry calls living logic, that is, the development of our mind, 
the human word, by contact direct or indirect with the Spirit and the Divine Word, that serious study and persevering practice will give you entry into the wondrous sanctuary. You will be of those who grow, who enrich themselves, and who make ready to receive magnificent gifts. You too, one day, if God so wills, will have a place in the assembly of noble minds. And so that is a pretty impressive charge. But, again, this is not to say that everybody is called to this, that everybody has to aspire to this. But one of the problems that we do have in the church is anti-intellectualism at a level that is very, very problematic. They don't know what to do with intellectuals in their church. You may be in a church that does know how to do that, but there's a lot of churches out there that don't. And they, they are failing in their ministerial call by only making church for the lowest common denominator and not providing a growth path of discipleship for mature and strong Christians. They instead end up just getting whatever the popular B&H Bible study book is and just going through that again and oftentimes find themselves falling asleep in sermons because they've heard it all before. There is an entirely rich and deep philosophical and theological history, and there's a lot to be learned from the lives of Christians lived, which a lot of people know. But there's also a lot to be learned from the way they thought. And one of the things we hope to do, if you're interested in this kind of life, is give you the tools and expose you to the resources and the thinkers that can help you populate your library and your mind with ideas that can impact your community, yourself, your family, and your church. So with that being said, let me close with this. Last year, we started a blog, and we began writing semi-regularly. This year, we have started the podcast, and we hope to have at least 100 episodes that will be inspiring and help you embrace your intellectual call and wrestle with the big ideas of life, God, ethics, politics, and culture. Our ultimate goal is to become a publisher of books at a later date and have already determined what our first book will be. We hope you'll join us for this journey, and as a preview for next week, we have started reading... Jacques Maritain, Christianity and Democracy, and the Rights of Man and the Natural Law. So if you want to read along, the schedule is on the solomonscorner.com website. Go to Book Club. You will see the schedule for what we are reading, and you can follow along, and the podcast will launch the Monday uh, after those. So starts March 19th. We read that week, and then... The following Monday, we post a podcast for that session. So thanks for joining me on this, and we hope you'll join us for the rest of the journey. I'm Daniel Roberts, signing off for Solomon's Corner. Cue the music.